in the Bibles on the back of the pew, that's page 906. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 39, and we'll read down through verse 52. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Jesus and his mother did not know it, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us again, we welcome you. It is so good to have you here. You being here is encouragement to us, and we hope that we can encourage you uh, and hope that you'll come back to, to worship with us and, and let's serve God together and worship God together on this earth so that we can spend an eternity together. Little boy came running out of the restroom. He hollering to his mama, 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 come quick. She ran in there and saw that the toothbrush was floating in the toilet. So as a good mother would do, she fished it out and threw it in the trash can. Immediately, the little boy kind of looks wide-eyed at that, a little bit surprised at the action of his mother. And he runs into her bathroom and brings back her toothbrush and says, Mom, you might as well throw this one away too because I dropped it in the toilet a few days ago. <laughs> you know, there's just nothing like watching children grow up. And for a few weeks, we've talked about the role of the parents in helping children to grow up. And we've talked about uh, being parents on purpose. But you know, today, I want to challenge you young people. If you're about this high, or if you're a young person that's this high, are you growing up on purpose? Do you know what you want to become? And are you doing the things that will help you to become what God wants you to become? Really today will just be kind of an introductory lesson of this text that's read 
and we will look at at least one or two more lessons throughout this text, but because of Mother's Day next week and Friends Day the next week, we'll finish this up later on in the month. But I want to challenge you, young people, to think about what does God want me to be? You know, we could talk for hours about illustrations of individuals that knew from a young age what they wanted to be and they set their heart on it and the people around them believed that they could do it and so they encouraged them and they trained them and the next thing you know they grew up and they are what they always said they were going to be. You know, LeBron James, one of the greatest players in the NBA and expected to be one of the greatest players of all times if he continues at the rate that he's been going. When he was just a little boy of a single mother, 16 years of age, that could only give him a life that was bouncing from one seedy apartment to another in Akron, Ohio, he decided he wanted to be like Michael Jordan. His mother gave him a little goal, and he would play for hours, dunking and shooting into that little goal. By the time he was in third grade, he had devoted such time to it that even coaches and all parents that watched him play knew that something spectacular was going to happen. But also, in fourth grade, he dropped out of school. You see, that was the kind of home life that he had. But there was a football coach that also believed in him. He went and met with Gloria, the mother, and said, let's put stability into this young man's life. He deserves it. The mother agreed, and he moved in with that coach. That was the first time he knew a stable life. That's the first time he had daily chores. That's the first time that he began to do decent in school. After a year and a half, he would go back and live with his mother. But yet his interaction with his family would be very strong. As a matter of fact, by 12 years of age, there would be another coach that would come into his life and offer that same kind of stability, allowing him to live in his house for extended periods of time. But you see, there was one thing LeBron James always knew. He wanted to grow up to play in the NBA. By eighth grade, there was no one that doubted the fact that he would play in the NBA. By his ninth and 10th grade, almost all pro coaches knew of LeBron James. His high school games were being televised pay-per-view. Young people, that's just sports. There's something a lot more important than that in life. There's something a lot more important after life. And that is, we're given a soul, and we have an almighty God that is our creator. And when I ask you, do you know more than anything in your life, you want to be a child of God? Do you know right now at five years old, I want to grow up to be a child of God? I'm talking to those of you that are eight and nine years old. Do you know more than anything when you grow up, you want to be a child of God? Those of you that are 15 or 16, you're thinking about careers, you're thinking about uh, those of the opposite sex, you're thinking about so many things, but more than anything, do you know right now, I want to grow up and be a child of God. In Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter in verse 1, the wise man Solomon, the preacher, says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. 
before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When is it the easiest to get life on track? All of us would have to agree the easiest time is when we're in our youth. Now, yes, there have been individuals that have got their life off track in their youth, and they have come back around later on in life. But if right now we had every one of you that have done that, to go off into a corner and to talk with two or three of our youth, I know what every one of you would tell them. Don't do it that way. That's a hard way to live your life. The greatest way to live the life is the way the preacher in Ecclesiastes was pleading with young people then and pleading with young people now. And that is, remember God now when you're young because difficult days will come. You think maybe right now LeBron James is under a little more stress than when he was in fifth grade living in Frankie Walker's house playing peewee ball? You think if you went up to him and said, hey... Which one's more difficult days? He might say, oh, I love playing the NBA, but the fact is, these are more difficult days. Parents, we don't do our children a favor when everything we talk about is how hard it is to be a child today. If you'll think back, it was pretty tough being a kid when you were a kid. And if you'll think back to what the Word of God says, the Word of God says that being a child could be some of your easiest days. You see, I don't buy this notion that we ought to pour pity upon our children and make them believe that they're having the hardest times of their life and if they can just get through this some way, if they can just survive it, whoo, then you can become an adult and everything's going to be easy. What does that communicate when God doesn't say that? When God says to youth, now's the time to remember. In other words, now's the time to put your focus on God. Now's the time to be molded by God. Why? Because you need to get ready for when the difficult days come. You're going to have days that are a lot harder than being 16. You're going to have days that are a lot harder being 6 and 7. How can we be ready for those days? Being a child of God. Let's go back to our text in Luke, the second chapter. And in Luke, the second chapter, you'll notice in verse 40, said, and the child grew. Now, let's pause there for just a moment, and I want you to see what we're going to do over a few lessons working through this text. If you'll notice there in verse 40, it says, the child grew. If you have your Bibles open, we don't have this on the screen, but if you'll notice in verse 42, talking about when Jesus was 12 years old, verse 43 says, and they had finished the days, they returned. Now notice this, the boy Jesus lingered. And then when we drop down to 52, it says, and Jesus increased. From the time Jesus was a little baby, oftentimes we say this right here, we say from the time he was a baby to the time that he began his earthly ministry, we really don't know anything except one particular story, and that story is when he was 12 years old in the temple, which the text will capably read for us. You know, that's true in a way, but when you start doing word studies here and really start breaking this text down, we do really know a few other things. Now, granted, it's not a lot of details, but it sure is helpful. You see, when it says the child grew, the word child there points back to children that are infants 
to no more than half grown. In other words, the text that we're going to study this morning is where by divine inspiration, the writer is saying, I want to show you some things that Jesus did from the time he was a little infant to the time that he was reaching half grown. And then we have that interruption and we have that story that took place when he was 12 years old. And then we have what took care of the next 18 years of his life before he began the public ministry where he says, Jesus increased. Now notice, he didn't say the word Jesus grew. And we'll talk about that in the future. That's powerful. So we go from the child, the little child growing. You remember when Jesus took the little children and he touched them and he prayed for them? The little children, one gospel writer would say infant, another one would use, the other two would use the same word, child. In other words, this is what he did when he was real young. This is what he did when he was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then we have that picture, this is what he did when he was twelve. Then we have the picture that says, this is what he continued doing. So let's take some time this morning and let's go back. And I'm, I want to challenge you, if you're five or six years old, this lesson's for you. If you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old, this lesson is for you. We're studying about what Jesus did when Jesus was your age. And the truth is, this lesson is for all of us because all of us still have growing to do. And as we see how Jesus grew, it reminds all of us of the high standard that we ought to set upon ourselves. So we look at this text, and notice in Luke 2 and 40, Let's read it and then notice these bullets that will come underneath it. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. How did this child grow? First, we see that he was strong in spirit, then filled with wisdom. Then we see that the grace of God was upon him. Now, when we look at the word spirit there, you need to note in the text there, that's a lowercase s. So when he was strong in spirit, it's not saying, speaking necessarily of his spiritual life as, as we would think sometime of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about strong in spirit, which is not always easy to know what is meant when that word is used. Because the word simply means breath. The word simply means life. And so when we see the Scripture saying about someone doing something in spirit, is it talking about that they're doing it in life? Is it, is it talking about that they're doing it with the inner person involved as well as the outer person? That's probably the best application that we have. For example, in John the fourth chapter in 23 and 24, we read about what worship is to be. And remember... Uh, God's a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship in spirit. That's a lowercase s, must worship God in spirit and in truth. So we take our spirit into this house here to worship God. We've come into this place. We bring our life. We bring our breath. We bring our person into worship. And so the question, are you just here physically? Are you here inwardly? You are involved in this worship service. If you are involved inwardly right now with this worship service, you are worshiping in spirit. If you're only here in the outer sense, you're here physically, but yet in your mind you're making out a grocery list, you're thinking about where you're going golfing this afternoon, or whatever it may be, you're in a place where others are worshiping, but you're not worshiping in spirit. So as we think about the word spirit like that, that involves the inner person, it involves the inner man. We think about Jesus was a little boy. Now this is interesting describes a little boy and says 
he grew strong in spirit. In other words, young people, I think it means that he was learning how to control himself. Those of you that are seven or eight, moms and dads can't make any expressions now when we ask these questions. We're real serious here. Have you thrown a temper tantrum in the last week or so? Have you cried like a baby because you didn't get your way? You know, somewhere along the way, Jesus went from being a little baby that cried to being a person that was strong emotionally. The inner person became strong. Now, that growth doesn't happen overnight. But somewhere along the way, there has to be emotional strength. There has to be that growing where we learn to deal with life and we learn to deal with disappointments. You know, I've talked to a lot of grown men at times where we were talking about family problems or marital problems that have told me, oh, but you don't understand. I've just got a bad temper, and that's the way it's always been. You know what that man is saying? That man is saying, now Jesus, as a little boy, learned to grow strong in spirit, but here I am, a grown man, and I have never grown up in spirit. I'm still a little boy inside. I'm quick to lose my temper. I'm quick to say things that I shouldn't say. I'm quick to beat my fist against something. You see, it's not just little people that need to learn this. It's all of us. And so it is. How can that change whenever we decide to grow up? We have to be the one that says, I can do better than this. I can overcome this. And by the strength of God, we can grow up. But now notice, not only did he grow strong in spirit, the inner person was growing stronger, but we see another reason that would have been the driving force for this man, for this boy, to grow up to be such a, a perfect and great man. And that was his search for wisdom. You notice here in the text, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Now, if you took that word became and linked it with the very next phrase, it would became filled with wisdom. You know, there are kind of two arguments for what kind of little boy Jesus was. There's one school of thinking that says Jesus was a little boy that not only was perfect, but he had all of these uh, manly, adult, incarnated characteristics from his infancy. And there have been stories made up about miracles that Jesus would have worked as a little boy. And John, it tells us that when he turned the water into wine, that was the first miracle that Jesus worked. So you see, that line of thinking that, that Jesus just came to this earth and he didn't have any growing to do, that he was just born that way and that his understanding was already there, that's just not true. If that were true, this verse would be wrong. Either Jesus did grow or he didn't grow. Either Jesus grew in spirit, growing stronger, or he didn't grow. In other words, he was there, and so this verse is either right or wrong. What's well, the same thing about wisdom? Jesus grew in wisdom. How did he do that? And then, the question that we need to ask before we look at how he did it, is how many of our young people here could honestly say, I want to be wise. 
I want to be a wise young person. You know, I've asked teenage classes before. How many of you really want to be wise? And you know, you kind of get that deer-in-the-headlight look. Almost like I've never thought about that. Listen, that's something we can't afford not to think about. It ought to be something that immediately we say, yeah, I've thought about that. I've been working on that. Yes, I want to be wise. That's an area that adults and children need to grow in. Let's look at Proverbs, the second chapter, and let's see some things about wisdom because we can't ever have a life that is protected from all the things that would harm us. We can't ever have a life that's growing closer to God. We can't ever be what God wants us to be and what we ought to want to be if we do not have wisdom as a desire in our life. But a lot of time, it's hard to put your fingers around this, this uh, concept of wisdom. And what we see in Proverbs, the second chapter, the reason I love studying about wisdom from this passage is because he brings in some other characteristics that helps us to understand how broad but yet how important wisdom is. Let's begin reading Proverbs, second chapter, and verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you... Now keep in mind, this father was teaching the words of God. And so this father is saying if you will just want to know the words of righteousness, if you'll treasure those within, we continue verse 2, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her, in other words, you're seeking wisdom as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, and we're going to read on a verse or two, it's not on the screen, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And then the rest of this chapter is about wisdom. But did you notice the words like, Wisdom, understanding, discernment. And all of this is tied to the words of God. Jesus, how did you grow when you were in the early half of your childhood? Well, I was filled with wisdom. How did you get to that point? He had to arrive at that point the same way anyone on earth would have uh, uh, arrived at that point. He had to hear the Word of God. And he had to seek it like a treasure. Now, our younger ones may not be so motivated to seek money. But you know, you can take little ones and you can send them on a little treasure hunt where they go to this place and hunt for a clue, and then they go to this place and they find a clue, and it tells them to go to another place. And if you've ever seen little ones do that, you know that they just work themselves into a frenzy. They love going on that treasure hunt. Well, here, God writes and He says, I want you, when it comes to learning my words, I want you to search for it like you would that treasure hunt. I want you to not stop until you find it. And when you find it, you'll learn understanding understanding what the situation is so that you have the Word of God, understanding what it is so that when you make a decision, discernment, you'll make the right decision. Those of you that are seven or eight years old, have you ever had someone at school to ask to look at your paper 
while you're taking a test? Now see, we know what the Word of God says, and we need to be honest. We need to let our yeses be yes and our noes noes. So we know the Word of God. But the Word of God is not enough. We have to be able to discern, to understand the situation. Is this situation that I'm about to go into wrong? Oh, I understand it would be wrong. Now I need to discern what is right. How's the best way to handle this? Children shouldn't have to wait until they were teenagers to learn the Word of God, to be able to understand situations, to make proper discernment, to make the wise choices. And so it is as parents, we have responsibility, but also the bottom line is... Just like LeBron James at fourth grade, he knew more than anything what he wanted to be. We have to decide at a young age, what do I want to be? When you see fourth and fifth graders reading their Bible before they go to bed at night, you know what they want to be. When you see them bowing and having prayer before their food without anybody saying anything to them, you know what they want to be. When you see them being fair to others and sharing with others, it becomes obvious what they want to be. When you see them set in a house of worship and they're paying attention and they're singing songs, you know what they want to be. Why is it that we can see a kid on the basketball court and we can immediately identify potential, but yet sometimes when it comes to things much more important, we act like it doesn't exist? I plead with every one of us, from you children to the grandparents this morning, do we or do we not believe in the potential of children? If a child can show potential on a basketball court at third grade, why can they not show potential of being godly adults in third grade? I believe they can. And I believe we've missed the whole point when we fail to see not that story of Jesus at 12 years old, but the verse that says, I want to show you what took place in the life of Jesus before he was 12 years old. Before he was 12 years old, he started growing. And he grew inwardly in spirit. And he grew inwardly with wisdom. And he was making the right decisions. Twelve years old wasn't an about-face for Jesus where you say, Woo, that rebellious son, he finally got on the right path. Of course, it was perfect. But that was because he had grown to that point. Now, look with me, if you will, as we go uh, to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and I want us to think about that next uh, bullet that we had there that also the grace of God it reads like this in the text and the grace of God was upon him the grace of God was upon him oftentimes we think of grace in the scriptures and we think of that grace being uh, unmerited favor from God but now think about this this is grace of God upon Jesus did Jesus need unmerited favor it doesn't really add up, does it, that Jesus was perfect, He was God incarnated, and He needed the Father's unmerited favor? Is that what He's talking about? It just doesn't flow well. Well, what was the grace that was bestowed upon Jesus from God? Many have said that, in a sense, this could have even been describing His personality. You see, the word grace in its most simple form is gift, and it's a positive gift. 
And so whenever we see a child that, that's delightful to be around, whenever we see a child that we say, well, they're a charming little fella, we enjoy being around them. Well, what kind of personality did Jesus have? We saw the fact that he was growing up physically. We saw the fact that inwardly he was growing stronger. We saw that the way he was acting and interacting with individuals showed wisdom. But what about his personality? If in fact, if in fact this is describing his personality, he's saying that he was charming, he was pleasant to be around. But even if it's not just his personality, I want you to think about this. It was a positive gift that God bestowed upon him and Jesus came to this earth to serve others, in other words, to make others have a life so that he could be a positive gift for them. Let's go back to that first miracle. You ever thought why Jesus had the first miracle to be turning water into wine? You think he didn't make somebody's day better? Any of you ever been to a wedding? Any of you ever been responsible for a wedding and something was going wrong at the wedding? You know, just last weekend at a rehearsal dinner, uh, the family had worked so hard to put together a DVD that showed the, the uh, background of the individuals from the time that they were born to the time that they were being married, and it was beautiful. Well, when the rehearsal dinner said, hey, hey, we want to show everybody this video before we leave, and so everybody turns their chairs around, and everybody's looking, and of course everybody's enjoying still visiting, but the family's getting nervous because the equipment's not operating right. So five or ten minutes, people keep visiting. And finally, this one girl that was a close relative of the family says to her husband, go help him. You could tell she had a real serious look. She said, go help him. The family was really starting to get nervous. This was a big event. So the, the man goes over. Five or ten minutes longer. They try. Doesn't work. Try it again. Doesn't work. Finally, it works. The lady leans over to me and she says, I never really understood that miracle before why it was so important. But you know, if it's your family involved, that would have been very, very important. Oh yeah. If it's your family involved, on the big day, you would like to not run out of things. What did Jesus do? He came to this earth not only to be a pleasant person himself, but to enrich the lives of others. And we see his miracles. And what was he constantly doing? Serving mankind. We see his teaching. And what was he doing? He was serving mankind. His life, his actions, his heart, his motives, everything was to serve mankind for the ultimate gift of grace. And that is, he would serve mankind at all cost. You see, he wasn't just a charming fella that said, I'm just that way because I want all the attention. He was a man that knew the peace that passes understanding and wanted other people to know that, and he was willing for them to know that when it cost him everything. What a beautiful thought. Here's a young boy that's growing up. Physically, he's growing up. But inwardly, he's growing up. In wisdom... He's growing up in grace. He was a blessing to the lives of those about him, no matter what it cost him. Those of you that are five and six, seven and eight, nine and ten, eleven, I want to challenge you. Be like Jesus. Later on in life is not the time to decide, I want to be a faithful Christian when I grow up. Right now is the time to say, 
I want to be God's child. I want to be God's child forever. For those of you that are older, maybe you've never become God's child. If you need to repent of sins and confess Jesus and be baptized, now would be a great time to grow up in that sense, to do things that maybe we've known for a long time that we ought to do. Maybe we have become a Christian, but yet we didn't grow as we should, and we found ourselves stagnated. We found ourselves separated. Let's make sure that we all leave here this morning growing in the sight of God. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.